luminaries, talking to the brightest minds in tech. We have always believed that if we built the right technology, we could amplify and enhance and enable human progress. And when I look at what lies ahead, I realize that we've really just barely begun. Your hosts are Mark Schaefer and Douglas Carr. Welcome, everyone, to another amazing episode of Luminaries, where we talk to the brightest minds in tech. This is Mark Schaefer with my co-host, the effervescent Douglas Carr, also known as Dougie Baby. How are you doing, Doug? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic, Mark. Doug, you know what is miraculous to me? <laughs> What's that? Arugula. Think about it. <laughs> Did you ever see arugula when you were a kid? No. When you, where did all this stuff come from? Now we go in the stores and we've got arugula. We've got all these exotic vegetables. And the people listening to the podcast are thinking, where are you going with this, Schaefer? <laughs> but really, there is a purpose here. Because we're going to be talking about technology and vegetables today. We are going to be talking to this amazing, amazing man. David Rosenberg is our guest today. He's a serial entrepreneur. He is the co-founder and currently leads AeroFarms, a clean technology company that builds and operates advanced vertical farms in urban environments. I am just blown away by what, Air, by what Aero Farms is doing. They've won the World Technology Award for Most Impactful Environmental Company. They were voted the most innovative company at the Future of Agriculture Conference. This is a company, if you can imagine this, that's growing high-quality, nutritious greens and herbs. Arugula? Who knows? We'll find out. They're growing this without sunlight, without soil, without pesticides driven by technology and analytics. It's so mind-blowing, I don't know where to begin. So let's begin at the beginning. David, welcome to the show. And could you just tell us, how did you get to this place? Yeah, Mark, Doug, it's great to be with you. And if you think thinking about arugula is miraculous. <laughs> Tasting it is that much more miraculous. What's surprising is that we could take an arugula and amplify qualities that people like. So for example, if you like a peppery arugula, we could grow an arugula in a way to make it peppery. Another example, people like kale because it's healthy. They don't like kale because it's often bitter and rough. And we could stress a kale plant mm. to make it more tender and less bitter. And when I say stress, a way to internalize that is as we, if we, if, as we grow as people, if when you were in a growth spurt, if you ate differently, slept differently, exercised differently, you'd be bigger, you'd be smaller, it would impact your biochemistry. As funny as it sounds, we grow a plant to get it to eat differently, sleep differently, exercise differently to amplify these qualities. And there's ways to do that. You could change the qualities of a plant genetically or environmentally. And we're really good at the environmental stresses. So getting a plant to eat differently, getting it to absorb different nutrients, micronutrients, getting it to absorb a different spectrum of light, all of these things 
that leads to the big data problems and curiosities that we're putting these puzzles together to grow plants and be the most fantastic farmers. That all said, that's obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but that is not what I understood the world to be when I started this journey. So to answer your question, I was a nanotech, uh, I built and led a nanotech company. I founded and led a nanotech company and uh, for nine years. And then coming out of that journey, wanted to have a big impact in the world. And one of the challenges, the tensions that struck me was that 70% of our freshwater goes to agriculture and 70% of our freshwater contamination comes from agriculture. So if one wants to help solve the world's water problems, look at agriculture. And one of my mentors, a man, Bill McDonough, who co-wrote the book Cradle to Cradle, he, Bill's an architect, and he educated me on those numbers and the possibilities of fully controlled agriculture and growing plants where you just give the plants what they want. And net-net, when we grow as farmers the way we want to grow, we could grow a plant using 95% less water. So again, 70% of the world's water goes to ag, and when we're successful, we could grow using 95% less water. It, it really jumps at you. You said, wow, like a huge opportunity. And that was some of my passions. It's a, it's a, you know, it's amazing, Dave. I, I saw something that blew my mind once about how many gallons of water it takes to create an almond or something like that. It's like, oh my gosh, you never realize how much water goes into, into agriculture. Yeah, it really speaks to like, we have to be smart as humanity about where we grow how we grow food. Uh, just because we could grow food in like the Central Valley in California doesn't mean we should if it means pumping water from the Colorado River to those areas. If it means 25% of California's electricity bill goes to pumping that water. There are smart ways of doing things. It also opens up a whole nother dialogue around policy and the interactions between policy and commerce where Maybe philosophically, we think everyone should have free water, but underappreciating that there's a cost for that water. And once it has to get moved around, that cost could be amplified. And if we reduce the price of water, commerce isn't going to solve the problems of water usage. And we want to inset, we want to increase standards of performance and get innovators to solve problems, not hide problems. Well, that's a great opening to my question. Um, one of the things that stands out for me is that you seem to be uh, the only term that I can come up with is activist capitalist. Is that an accurate way to describe your place in the world? Uh, uh, nomenclature aside, I'm a business guy and I want to use business as a force for good. So in, in that sense, that might be the right way to word it, but I'm a believer in not make money and then figure out how to give money, but how can business be a force for good? And as a business leader, more and more in society, society is looking at business leaders to make sure we're building businesses, being conscientious of societal's problems, of environmental problems. So these are all stakeholders that need to be part of our thought process as we build business plans. Uh, I'm proud that in the World Economic Forum, we just had our annual meeting in Davos. I co-chair the Circular Economy Task Force. By the way, I was very proud to be there 
behind stage with Michael Dell as Dell three years ago won the war were well, I'm sorry the award for companies leading in a circular economy for big international uh, companies and congratulations to Dell for the pioneering work that Dell Technologies is performing there. It's those kind of stories that are really inspiring that are meaningful to share to the broader Davos community and the world business community that one doesn't have to just think in a very linear way, but we really need to think more broadly about all of our stakeholders. So you use this term circular economy. Could you expound on that a little bit more? Happy to. It's basically the idea of keeping, most simply keeping nutrients, technical nutrients or biological nutrients in closed loops, in circles. Mm. So eliminate the whole concept of waste. And I, I use the term technological and, and biological nutrients. Materials either biodegrade into the soil or they could be upcycled into something else. Downcycled means eventually there's less and less of it or it goes to landfill. And, and you want to keep those cycles separate because when they're combined, you have these monstrous hybrids, as back to my mentor Bill McDonough would say, that go to landfill. So if you have a wood and a metal combined, the wood would biodegrade, the metal, you want to design for disassembly so you could take away that metal, that aluminum, that steel, whatever, and upcycle. And here, from when you think of e-waste and all the chemicals and e-waste, uh, I understand that like Dell thinks about these issues, thinks about design for disassembly and how those materials can be used in future iterations or uh, how they could be collected. These are all concepts and problems that aren't necessarily solved day one. But what's important as business leaders is we paint the vision, we set the, we set the, the, the hurdles we track progress and we move towards that goal of eliminating waste using renewable energy. And, and there's a, a whole bunch of ways to look at it that it also incorporates societal benefit, but most simply it's eliminating waste. That's, that's where the term circular came from. I love that. I, I love that concept, uh, the circular economy. And speaking of circular, when I was preparing for this episode, I went to your website and I saw the amazing 360 degree video tour of your operations that you have there. And I'd love to show it to everybody right now, but this is a podcast. <laughs> so can you help our listeners visualize what a vertical urban farming operation looks like? If I were walking through a big city and visited one of your locations, what would I, what would I see there? You mentioned we grow without sun and soil. It's typically, uh, so this does not look like a greenhouse. There is no, like, there's no glass roof. Uh, we build these in warehouses. If you go into a modern warehouse, 36-foot high ceilings, you would see a racking system similar to, like, when, if you would think of it like an Amazon distribution center or, or some distribution center. And uh, many racks of but instead of boxes you'd see plants so you'd see these long towers uh, for us they're 80 feet long and and they're about uh, five feet wide those dimensions are changing but you would see plants grown on every tower that the levels are about three feet spaced apart 
So in a, in a 36 foot high ceiling, we have 12, we're going on to 14 levels of growing. And, and that's important because you want to spread out the, the real estate costs, the lease payment costs to a lot of product. And you would see lights shining, giving specific spectrum that the human eye wouldn't necessarily pick this up, but to the plants, they're getting specific spectrum that they want to, to grow the way they want to grow. But, but you would see tower after tower of these farms. So it's a, it's a tremendous amount of crop density. In fact, if we were growing in the field in New York State, we estimate that we have about 390 times the productivity per square foot acre higher than a field farmer. Growing in uh, the Central Valley in Salinas or San Joaquin, that number is more like 130 times because you have more crop cycles. But in either way, it's tremendous crop productivity. Uh, I'll share some other numbers. We have approximately 22 harvests a year versus three in the field. And that's because we're able to accelerate all different aspects of of the growing, whether it's the germination, which is when a seed opens up, or the growing itself. On average, we grow a plant in 16 days from seed to harvest. And this is not genetic modification. This is just giving the plant what it wants when it wants it. It's like Popeye, eat your spinach. Here, we're actually growing spinach and feeding it to the people. Ironic, isn't it? So David, let me ask you something that's kind of in in my mind. We see this movement from the brick and mortar economy to this digital economy, and that means there's going to be a lot of big box store real estate that's open. I mean, could we possibly turn this real estate into farming? So, you know, we, 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 I, I'm reading about how we're going to have all these empty malls. Could that become farming operations? That's a possibility. It's, we do look at where's like what's the price of real estate, and obviously if there's uh, lower demand and higher supply, then the cost of real estate goes down. Now, we also look at the price of electricity. We also look at you know proximity to where the mouths are to build these farms. There are economies of scale in the farming systems. We've built nine farms so far. We've built small ones that are the size of a car to give your audience a sense of scale. And we've built big ones that are 70,000 square feet of warehouse the economics of a big one make more sense so there are a few considerations here obviously but the short answer is that these go into similar structures so that that would be a possibility of taking some of that empty real estate that's incredible david i'm i'm curious uh from a timing standpoint why now uh, what key intersection between farming and technological advancements has made this both possible and affordable now? A, a few things. First, it's the cost of a diode and the effic- efficiency of a diode. So we use light-emitting diodes to grow plants. And there's something called Heitz's curve, which is similar to Moore's law, where it talks about the like the cost of a diode Im- improving. I think it's by a third every every three years. So uh, diodes are becoming more cost efficient, and as such, that replaces the light. That helps the unit economics work. And what it also enables is like so. Right now, the economics work for leafy greens. We've grown at Arrow Farms 300 different varieties, and we're growing more varieties. The economics work for leafy greens. They'll work in the future for more and more products. 
And we are the the digital transformation, the, the understanding the data of what's going on in the farm has really made Aero Farms better farmers. So it, we're a tough business to build because on one hand, we're so far ahead. We think we're two years ahead of the next vertical farmer. And we have to be a technology company to both create the mechanical systems, mirror the biological systems. And it's the, the digitization, just understanding what the, how the farm's operating that allows us to grow plants. We have to figure out how a plant grows most efficiently, effectively outside and mirror those conditions inside or even make improve upon. And it's a tremendous amount of data. We have sensors all over, and this is where we're working with Dell to try and understand these interactions between like the frames, lights, pumps, airflow, CO2, all of that, and how it translates to quality, to food safety, to yield, which lowers our cost of goods sold. And there are all these ways of like, when you think about what's going on outside, sometimes crops grow well, sometimes they don't. It's because it was a cloudy day, it was a warm day, it was a hot day, it was a humid day, it was a dry day. There was uh, the nutrients in the soil were X, Y, and Z. So we have all these levers that we're simulating inside. We're collecting that data. And the place we're going with Dell is a fully connected farm. We're working on it now. We're not there yet. But very excited by the Dell Technologies relationship pulling in from the different parts of Dell to speed up that journey. I mean, that's so exciting because I think we we hear a lot about big data. We've talked a lot about it on this program. But I think to a lot of people, it's still not something that's that's real. And here we're hearing you talk about how it's optimizing technology and and uh, optimizing a process in a very tangible way, something that we can hold, something that we can eat. Can you give us an example of what you've learned through this analysis of big data that provided a real breakthrough in your technology, a real breakthrough in your effectiveness and the productivity of these vertical farms? And I have to be somewhat like opaque here this this is getting to the heart of what makes aero farm special is understanding how to grow plants it's even like less while there's a lot of innovation on where the frames the lights and all of that interact it's what to give the plants when that i think is the hardest nut to crack and how to great create this great tasting product but to share so if on average let's say there are 20 nutrients and micronutrients that we give different varieties and we want to play with like what's the absorption rate at the roots of those different varieties and and what are the cause and effects to get a plant to eat differently just like if you're trying to figure out what's the best diet for a person to eat and it might change for different people um, some people might just you know digest food differently and there are small subtleties there that are meaningful. Some people might be allergic to some food or not allergic to another food. It's those same sort of concepts are in plants. And we're taking all this data, um, and whether it's the nutrients, the micronutrients, whether it's all the colors of the rainbow, and understanding like if we change these assumptions, what's the outcome? And with fully controlled agriculture, we could go assumption by assumption 
to test and understand and optimize. And we, it, which is, you can't do in the field. You can't tell the sun, Hey, just give us a little more, you know, blue of that color or red of that color. But that's exactly what we could do. And it's, it's very exciting and we could kind of clear out the noise of what else might impact the plans. And that's a tremendous amount of data. And working with Dell Technologies, it's also understanding what needs to be stored in the core, what on the edge, what in the cloud, and where does that information go? Because we are talking about terabits of information. Uh, what, and what's the sensitivity of the time in which it needs to get to its destination? So maybe food safety needs to be there instantaneously. R&D needs to be there pretty quick. Finance, no offense to the finance team, maybe that could wait a day. And, and how that all interacts and gets to the right place. And there's information coming from all different parts of the farm. And right now, we're, like, where we are today, we could see there's benefit and we appreciate there's still a long journey to go to have this fully connected farm. And when we get there, appreciating like getting there faster with Dell Technologies, it's going to be beautiful and we're going to be able to solve more and more problems, create better quality food at a lower cost. Well, on target with the data and benefits, I read that AeroFarms is committed to harvesting and sharing uh, the data with other organizations to understand that relationship that you're talking about between biology, environment, and technology to drive better performance. Um, what does that sharing look like, and, and are you seeing any results from it yet? It, it takes different shapes and sizes, different forms. We, we interact... Well, this is a is a new industry. We're the world leader in this industry at Arrow Farms, and there are a lot of problems to solve. And we appreciate that we're going to get there faster with partners. So we are we have relationships with probably six different universities, and um, and they they vary in nature. We have relations with ag companies, with you know, companies like Dell Technologies. So there's um, a number of different examples, and they um, uh, sometimes like part of that figuring it out is like sharing some of this data, interpreting the data, and and appreciating how that might interact with like with again being vague, purposely vague, something on the plant side. Uh, um, and the way we often are able to like slice it and dice it is like we kind of are seeing the full picture, but there are certain more specific pieces of this puzzle that we could work on with a partner to um, to help solve where they have value from kind of sharing of that data and understanding some curiosity related to some specific uh, part of uh, how we're looking at a plant, it could be the root structure. So, for example, we have using an aeroponic system, the air in aero farms is referring to aeroponics. Physiologically, we have a fantastic root structure. Uh, and um, that, that might sound funny to hear, but you, what the roots grow in a certain way in the soil that we've worked hard to mimic this root structure, even optimize it aeroponically. Roots want oxygen, leaves want carbon dioxide. And we have a very healthy oxygenation of the roots. And working with physiologists that specialize in roots, we could share some data, some images, and we're getting 
like better at imaging parts of the plant, and we could course correct to further optimize that physiology, um, that, that root structure. I noticed in uh, one of the write-ups that I was reviewing uh, to prepare for this episode that you were involved in something with Dell called the Internet of Things Vision Workshop. That just sounds so cool <laughs> and so futuristic. Uh, what what was that? What was that experience, and and how did that change your business? We had uh, people from the Dell Technologies team come and spend time with us at Aero Farms, and talk about listen to our vision of the world, and talk about what is possible, and share some problems with like tactically how to get there. And what was exciting is there were some tactical gaps that we didn't appreciate. And the conversation changed in degrees from being close to the problem to then elevating and like asking if there's some course correction on the vision or some broadening of the vision. And it, and it led to a more exciting vision about a, um, a more interconnected farm and this digital transformation to enable these learnings and and now now we got to do it so we've um, we've sort of mapped it out and we're looking forward to these next stages with dell technologies of making it all happen well this is so much different i i feel like i'm already talking about the future and it's already here but i'm i am curious where does it go from here what's next what's your vision of the future of agriculture is there a you know aero farms 2.0 um any specific technologies that'll help make the next leap? For, for us, it's like we say there are five pieces we need to be great at to, to build a great company. There's the mechanical side, like which is like where the, the plants actually go. And also that includes automation and seeding, harvesting, cleaning, packaging. There's the environmental side, which is you, what's the environment the plants want. There's the operational side. How do you operate a farm? We have over 250 standard operating processes. Then there's the biological side. What's the algorithm to optimize the growing? What's the right seed variety, et cetera? And, and then it's the digital side that really connects it all. What's our system of our sensory system? How often do you need to put the sensors? How often do you need to collect the data? And where does the, the data go? And where do we need that machine learning to interpret the data. Another area we're going to be working on with Dell, all of that is going to continually drop CapEx, allow us to make the course corrections to drop our capital costs, to drop our operating costs, to improve quality. We're on what we call model four. We have a team, which is like our fourth iteration of what the farm looks like in our ninth farm. We have a team working on model five and model six. And there are some step changes a bunch of incremental changes, and in they, ultimately for the customer, they're going to have better product at a lower cost and more varieties that are grown right in their backyard. The trend towards fresh is a trend, not a fad. People appreciate the, the benefits of having fresh food. It's healthier food. It tastes better. And there's vertical farming isn't going to solve the world's problems or the world's agricultural problems, but it, it's illustrative of how technology can solve or alleviate some of the tensions, how we could 
back to a circular economy, how we could do more with less. Well, David, thank you so much for this work that you're doing and the insights that you've shared with us today. If people want to follow along and if, if they want to learn more about your work, where, where should they go? Well, uh, for one, we're, we're hiring a bunch. We're 120 people in the company. We'll probably hire another 20 or 30 this year. And um, so we're always attracting great people at aerofarms.com. People could buy our product. Uh, we sell it through a number of retailers on a label called Dream Greens. And um, there's, there's uh, a lot of information on our website, aerofarms.com. Well, thanks so much. This has been an absolutely amazing and inspiring show. And thanks to all of you for listening. You know, we've only been on the air for about a year. And Luminaries has already reached the top 1% of all business podcasts on iTunes. Unfortunately, we're out of time on this show. So thank you so much for listening. And until next time, this is Mark Schaefer and Douglas Carr. And we'll see you on the next episode of Luminaries. Luminaries, talking to the brightest minds in tech, a podcast series from Dell Technologies. 